Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are discussing Omega the Unknown, number four, by Steve Gerber, Eris Greenaz, Jim Mooney, Inc. by Pablo Marcos. Man, there is a lot going on in this issue. To me, this is the issue where this whole comic kind of moves into second year. Mm-hmm. And we just have a lot going on. What was your impression after reading it for the first time? I felt like we're getting closer and closer to the uh, Superman analogy. Certainly feels that way, doesn't it? And then also the idea, the the connection between James Michael and the hero. And then also, I think the superhero deconstruction uh, really happened here. I mean, I haven't read anything before this, but... I'm seeing a lot of like there's anyways we can talk to it it's on second page but it's interesting like what compels a superhero to do something this and, issue starts with this long kind of introverted introspection mm-hmm. where our hero is basically examining why he's doing anything he's doing yeah from being on this planet to being heroic and to having emotions he's struggling with all of that it's a real kind of existential dilemma he's living with. Yeah. And it's like, why am I compelled to do this? Why am I here? I could be leaving right now. I mean, I have the spaceship to leave. Why am I staying here? And I think that's the explanation. Or like, why Why did he save the woman who jumped off the bridge? Like, he didn't have to do that. He actually technically doesn't have emotions or his social upbringing doesn't have it. So like why do superheroes do superheroes and i think uh i mean the point comparing this to i mean watchmen totally different comics i mean you know but this one is really like the the idea behind like why does a superhero do do the super superheroic stuff without all the you know the baggage of like parents dying and Mm -hmm. getting off on it or you know that kind of a thing something won't let him leave something that keeps prodding at him compelling him to get involved it it, it, even like the idea of saving this woman who throws herself off the bridge he's battling himself whether he should actually do that he thinks he may actually be in trouble for doing that Mm -hmm. oh yeah that's interesting yeah it's just this this is a man who's not not even a man we don't know what he is though we know he's not a robot he's actually a person because he bleeds yeah but he he he's completely lost and we don't really know who he is at all because he's not able to reveal himself at all so i have a theory as to why he does the stuff he does in his connection with james michael go ahead so in the 70s i'm assuming comics were for kids and so essentially the connection between him and the kid and the way he's compelled and connected to the kid is if it wasn't for the child, he wouldn't exist because he wouldn't be written by mm-hmm. Barbara Gerber. And so there is that connection of like, you know, that parallel between you know, James Michael's life and his in that like whenever James Michael, like here you actually have pages that like the, tra- the, the Alan Moore transition that we talk about, which I guess should be attributed to Gerber is you go from one conflict from his conflict to James Michael's conflict. So it's like James Michael is going through his experiences and then 
in a way, we're actually going through James Michael experiences and then we're getting some relief by going through the hero's experiences through the comic book. And there's that connection. But in a way, we don't get relief because the hero is so lost in his world also. Yeah. He doesn't know what's what's certain. Both of both James Michael and the hero are dealing with like this complete existential confusion about their world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this weird comic where most comics are written from an objective viewpoint, right? You see the hero shoot, you see Superman punch or shoot, shoot beams out of his eyes or whatever. In this comic, there's a there's a continual feeling of uh, introversion mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of seeing people seeing actions in some way through the characters' eyes themselves. Mm-hmm. And like the key scene for me is like on page four when uh, the girl looks up at Omega. I think it's Teresa is her name, right? Uh, when Teresa looks or Teresa looks up at him and they make eye contact, but they're still completely lost with each other. Mm. They're not quite connecting. We get the, the hero's first words, first word ever, which kind of underlines the entire kind of uncertainty of everything where he just says, why? Yeah, and then it's probably the same question James asked as why do I have to go to that school? It's just and- such a yeah. Alan Moore before Alan Moore, right? Yeah. I wonder if Alan Moore read this. Do you think so? Maybe I not. think so. I think this is a highly this is like the Velvet Underground of comic books. It's the the work mm. that only a few people read it, but everyone who read it was affected by it. Oh, okay. That's my theory anyway. So I'm I'm almost positive that Moore read this because I think Moore was a big fan of the more literate comics that were coming out. Mm. So yeah, then we, I think the first few pages are just so compelling where he's, the hero is under the 59th Street Bridge. He's dwarfed by the bridge. He's standing on the docks. The atmosphere all around him is so interesting. Like there's so much going on just in his existential doubt. The words, what am I doing here? The word, the, the caption is directly above his head. This is primary on his mind. Mm-hmm. And so he's battling this complete existential doubt. The woman throws herself off the bridge and he gives him, it gives him some sort of purpose. But as we see later in the issue, the purpose is undercut by the fact that she doesn't actually want to be saved. She's kind of reconsidered whether she wants to be saved. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then I, I want to say one more thing about Mooney, because you know I'm crazy about Jim Mooney's artwork. The way he draws the cape in, in the full page splash on the first panel, excuse me, the first page, I think is just gorgeous. Wrapping oh, around him like that. I love the clouds, if they are clouds. I don't know if it's fog or clouds on that page. Nice it just feels like a nasty fall or winter day in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good at the atmosphere. I'm not crazy about the Marcos inking on it, where I think Mark, uh, he kind of softens some of the lines. Like I'm, the way he draws Amber and Ruth, I think is not the, the way he inks the faces of Amber and Ruth, I think kind mm-hmm. of robs them a little bit of their action, but he's really great at drawing Teresa's eyes and heart. You know, I, I just feel like she comes alive on the page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we get to school. School is no picnic. School is School is a nightmare. Yeah, there's the bullies and God, those bullies. 
it, it's sweet how he uh, like Ruth and Amber drop him off at school. Diane and James are waiting for him. John are waiting for him, and he immediately falls in with this crowd. So he's got his friends, but mm-hmm. they're, they're the outcasts, as we'll see in a minute, and they don't really have any ability to change things. And there's that kind of there's a line that you you miss it at first reading, but after you know what happens in this issue when when diane says the trick is you just never let them catch you alone anywhere because if they do sport they're liable to cripple you and that's no joke Mm. right it flies past but that's foreshadowing of the incredible horror we're going to have in a minute oh yeah um the other thing was i was actually interested in seeing why diane gave him one flew over cuckoo's nest yeah. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I've only seen the movie. I don't know the story too well, but I'm assuming it's uh, because they are in that type of uh, environment, like the, the hospital type of thing where like, I mean, speaking of foreshadowing, like it's later on, there's a teacher who's just an idiot, you know? Oh, I don't know. Like, kind of like doesn't really listen to him doesn't really actually here it is i think as children or as younger people um they're not really respected by others right so like one of the teachers doesn't even listen to james michael that a chemical might blow up Mm -hmm. and he just doesn't even consider it um they're not really citizens they can't vote they can't they don't have a say nobody respects them and i think in one floor cuckoo's nest when the folks who are mentally challenged or put into hospitals oftentimes don't get respected. And when you're branded as such, even if you're not, that could really be dangerous too. You know, in society, you could be branded as someone who's not intelligent, who doesn't know better. So you just don't get that respect. Oh, that's really nice. I like that a lot. And so they're the, they're the people who know their smart deserving of respect but they never get it mm-hmm. yeah i mean this is perfect right like there's a part where james michael says like i don't understand it how could you um how come you weren't like to diane like how come you weren't worried that they're gonna punch he's like well i'm a woman or i'm a girl they don't it doesn't bring them any status to beat up a girl not mm-hmm. because they're respectful of women but that they don't want to waste their time it's like, it doesn't give you any satisfaction because no one's going to say, hey, good job. Oh, you're so cool doing that. And it's like they're, and she's actually the only one that can probably take care of herself. She probably can, but. That's what she said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's just a world of predators where the predators will only come af- go after certain prey. Mm-hmm. It's such a dark world that, they, that James Michael gets stuck in, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then we see, we move over and see Teresa terrified of the cat. <laughs> oh, God. She's staying with Pops and the hero, Pops and Sam. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole bit, I, I've always thought the whole bit with Teresa and El Gato is spooky. Spooky as hell. It's so, it, it's like a cult. Mm-hmm. It's like New York City. It's old culture. It's the immigrant experience. It's all this stuff kind of rolled into one kind of 
big incident of terror. Yeah. And it's also this kind of legacy that you get trapped in because the ones you love have gotten trapped in it. Because Teresa is, you know, she's supposed to take care of her mother's repayment of debts, which aren't real debt. They're just debts to the cult. Mm-hmm. And Elgato has power over her. All these accidents happen. And it is so much like, you know, what you read about with a Scientologist or something where they'll go after you. All, well, that, like, yeah. all the part with the curse felt like it wasn't very far from real life in some ways. When did Summer of Sam happen? Or like the uh, Sam, you know, the, the... I think that was around this time, 77 or 78. Yeah, in New York. And there's also the satanic panic around that time, probably early 80s, late 70s. Oh, yeah. Berkowitz, the son of Sam, was arrested in 1977, August 77. So, yeah, actually, this comic came out September 76. It was a li- about a year before the crimes happened. Mm-hmm. Or maybe right. as the first crimes were happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I right get in that, that time period. Yeah, I think with putting the cats in there, it's a little bit less <laughs> scary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's funny that um, I also think this is where the Superman analogy gets a little bit stronger too. Or like when uh, the hero fights El Gato. Elgato is able to overpower him and like the hero you know I'm paraphrasing but he's like well he doesn't feel the it's not the same type of force when he fights you know it's like there's just something else so like with Superman they always say like you can't beat him by force but he's he actually has a weakness towards magic Mm -hmm. and it's something like that here we probably don't even need to know why it's just that Mm -hmm. Elgato is resistant to the hero's force Mm-hmm. he even say in a symbolic level this is a person who lives in society who's part of the society and who's kind of embedded in it mm-hmm. fighting against a force who's outside of his world and yeah. the forces outside his world can't really hurt him because he's so embedded in his own culture oh okay if you look at it from a symbolic standpoint oh you mean elgato is like he can't be hurt because he doesn't live within the same I guess, cultural laws as the hero. Yeah, you try and apply your Superman-style approach to the world to my life, and you have no idea what, what's going on here. This is so much deeper and more complex than you think it is. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. That's kind of Gerber and Screenus saying, you know, pure heroism has its limits. Mm-hmm. Also, Elgato's dressed in earth tones, right? Yellow and purple. Mm-hmm. Our heroes in that bright red and blue. It's just, they really feel like they're in different spaces mm-hmm. in some way. I don't know, just an idea I'm playing with. I'm not sure if that really means I think it, it makes sense because superheroes, like for example, I mean, I don't really, I don't know the history of superheroes, but early on, like a lot of the heroes were, they, they did trivial stuff, right? Like they'd like, They'd stop somebody stealing bread, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. like somebody robbing a grocery store or like, and then if you really think about it, let's say if you were born in an area where like it's normal for people to go to prison and jail, or if you grew up in that area, like, okay, great. You put me in jail. I'm going to get out and do more 
that stuff. And I think that was, I'm not necessarily thinking of Superman, but like thinking of Batman early on. And actually it's, it's making that superhero story is making more sense too. Cause you know, when the superhero comics first started, you know, you put somebody in jail, they're going to get out, right? Uh, if they steal something and they're going to get, become better and, and it's going to get more, you know, the, their talents of being a thief is going to get better. It's really not going to affect them. They don't care if they mm-hmm. go to jail. Like you and I might care if we go to prison because we've never been. But if somebody who's never, who always constantly goes there, no, it's part of their ecosystem. It doesn't hurt. And so, yeah, you're threatening me by your quote unquote, you know, virtuous superheroism. So what? Like I can get, you know. You're kind of doing me a favor. Yeah. Making me look better in the eyes of my peers or something. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see like, did the cats hurt? I can't, they're, they're tearing his, his costume, but not really. They don't seem to really hurt him as much as they just kind of annoy him. Because mm-hmm. yeah, at the very end, he, on the last page, he pulls himself back up and, and kind of is able to at least think about fighting against Delgato. I mean, the girl drives away in the car with him. Teresa yeah, leaves with him. I think that really... That goes along the lines of your theory too is like yeah this is my ecosystem you can't hurt me it's kind of like when um you know domestic violence or abusive towards family members well you're not going to press charges no i'm fine i'm going to go with you know i love that person or i care that person i'm part of that person's life you know i think that's really what's happening here is that she's she's kind of a well she's a cult member who's been abused as part of the cult but she's accepted that as her responsibility in life to be part of that mm, but i actually god has shown her the the downside of leaving mm-hmm. you don't even have to be i mean i think the you know i think i really love your description because you don't even have to be part of a cult to understand that this happened this type of thing happens every day and mm-hmm. i think your description of like coming into my ecosystem my lifestyle and you can't your powers will not work here you know and so with her obviously it's better for her not to be part of this poor abusive relationship but she feels like she feels compelled she either the only thing for her is to stay with it stick it out with this garbage life or kill herself there is no alternative it's not the only yeah. and um, yeah. and the hero no matter what he does, he has no control over it, which you don't see that in regular comic books. Usually you can punch your way out of something. And then when you punch an abusive, you know, person, usually the victim is grateful that you saved them. In this case, it's like, well, first off, you saved me from killing myself. Thank you. But I kind of wish I would have died. And here you're saving me from this abusive cult leader. But you know what? I'm actually going to, now that I'm alive, I might as well. This is the only way of life I know. It's the only comfortable way of living. Yeah, like it's back to the on page four. Teresa says thank you, and the hero says why. She says thank you, but I'm not sure she really thanks him, or maybe in the moment she thanks him. His why could mean so many different things. Why did you jump? Why, why do you take your life so trivially? But also, why are you thanking me when you tried to kill yourself in the first place? I, 
Yeah. My thinking, I mean, I didn't think of it that way. My thinking was like, yeah, why did you jump? Like, because he, mm-hmm. he's been going through the stuff process. Like, did I do the right thing? Did I just break the law? You know, not break the law, but do something that that's not in line with what your society deems acceptable. And then just as Teresa is trapped, John is trapped in the bathroom with the gang coming after him. Then you'd never read these comics before. No. So I'm really curious how you thought, did you expect John to be attacked like that? Um, I expect something like that happened because they're breaking up and he's going into a bathroom. He's like, hey, I'll see you later. I'll catch you later, you know, afterwards, you know. And he goes, but it, but you don't see the resolution of what happens. I guess you have to wait till the next um, next um, next issue to see what happens to John, right? Yeah, you do. You do. Uh, and Omega Five begins with John's story, and yeah, it's it's. I don't want to say anything about it. To me, this is this is the scene that has stuck in the, the most in my mind since I first read it when I was, since I first read this comic when I was 10 or 11 years old. This is like in, incredibly profoundly upsetting for this boy who I could identify with mm-hmm. to be attacked like that in his own school. It, and Gerber and Screenus don't do anything to ease the pain or the horror of the moment he's going through Mm-hmm. You know, his legs turn to jello all wiggly and wobbly and unresponsive and his brain's commands this that's why john is just terrified and can't move and the his, the horror he's going through the, the experience he's going to have for, for no reason really mm-hmm. is just horrific it's mm-hmm. just it, it's not even horrific it, it's yeah beyond me in a way well it it also is in line with what uh teresa was going through too is because you were living in this personal hell of bullies and the only person questioning it was james michael why do i have to go to that stupid school Mm -hmm. it's it's negative so well you know you'll get hair on your chest and everybody does it so you got to do it it's like yeah and most people don't rebel and say, why am I here? Why do I, I mean, if you do, you're like a outcast. You don't graduate. You don't get your degree. You can't live in society, but yet you have to go through this hell. Um, so, and it's like really leaving, leaving that life and like finding a new life. It's like so impossible. And it, as it is for her, as it, it, it's, it is for probably John, which I don't know what's going to happen to him. And right now, James Michael can't leave either because he's stuck. Well, even Ruth and Amber are, are trapped in their apartment in some way. They can't get out of Hell's Kitchen, which at that point is so ha- horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it's trapped, the only one who has the ability to leave is our hero. And he doesn't. He doesn't. He decides to stick around. So another great issue. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I'm not sure there's Actually, I'm not sure there's anything about this issue that's fun. It's challenging comics. It's it gets better when I talk to you. I'll be honest with that because I think a lot of the nuances I didn't notice or the main one about like, but that's great. 
Cool. I'm looking forward to talking about Omega number five with you. I'm curious. Uh, I'm trying to remember what happens to Elgato in that issue, but I remember it being a great issue. Oh, cool. I'm I'm looking at the cover and it says power be my destiny. Is that the first time that that phrase was uttered? Yeah, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, power be my destiny. Thank you, Amir. Thank you. Oh, thank you.